Hello and welcome to the Our Community Listens podcast. My name is Adam Salgat and with me today is facilitator for Our Community Listens and extended disc trainer Shirley Tipton. Shirley has been with Our Community Listens since the very beginning, working out of Aspen, Colorado, but has recently moved to California. Thanks for coming on the podcast today, Shirley. How are you doing? Hey, Adam. Great. Happy winter day. (laughs) Up here in Michigan, we're about to get about a foot of snow, so it's going to be winter here, no problem. Remember your jacket, young man. (laughs) I will. As we begin our podcast series for 2020, we want to start just like you do when you sign up for a class. One of the first things we ask people to do is to take the DISC assessment, so we thought today would be a great opportunity to learn more about it and who better than the extended disc trainer, Shirley. My first question for you, Shirley, is to give us a little bit of background on what is DISC anyway? Sure. So DISC is a behavioral assessment or sometimes called an inventory. And it comes out of the early work of people like Carl Jung. It is both theory and science. I guess you could call it in today's lexicon, open source. Mm. No one owns DISC, although there are quite a few companies that deliver the assessment tools or inventory. And ideally, the results of those assessments are used ethically for self-awareness, to increase our individual success, to improve our relationships, to make things better at work. It's all about our hardwired behaviors. And as we learn through our our Community Lessons training, knowing what someone's hardwired behaviors are helps us communicate better, right? Well, not only that, I mean, that's really the goal, right? In communication skills training, our foundational course. But in that self-awareness, not only do we learn how to communicate with others, but we might also learn how to get our own needs met. We might also learn how to be more accepting of ourselves. And in today's world, it can be really hard when we get missile attacks on who we are as a person and how we behave. So one of the ways we use the results of the inventory or the assessment is to help people really get an understanding of themselves and to embrace the fact that they're not broken, that we're each perfect. That is a very good reminder, one that I think we sometimes forget when we talk about our training, because it's not just communicating with everyone else, it's also communicating internally. You bet. And some of us have those voices in our heads that are going kind of nonstop, right? Um, Right. And sometimes those voices come from other voices that we're hearing. So using the extended disc, which is the company that we use for our training, really helps us quieten those voices and people, you know, to get just, I think, a better understanding of themselves and others. So you mentioned this just briefly, but why does our community listeners choose to use disc assessment? One is to become more self-aware. And once we become more self-aware, then we translate that into being more others aware. So if I can get an idea of how I'm hardwired and how I might show up most of the time in my world, it might also help me get some insight into the behaviors of other people and how they're hardwired. Ultimately, most successful people are 
really self-aware. They know who they are deeply. And that information not only will help us improve relationships, but can really give us a great foundation for being inspirational leaders. Yeah, that was one of the questions that you, you know, that you gave me in our pre-show interview work was, do I need to be someone else to be successful? So if you go through this DISC assessment and you're not noticing, or you're noticing certain things about yourself, do you need to change to be successful? No, you don't. Despite the messages that we constantly get from today's hyperactive media, you know, be better, do better, take this course, change. Well, maybe a little bit, but ultimately we would hope that by becoming more self-aware and embracing our hardwired style, that we can be most successful when we're maximizing our own behavioral tendencies, our own behavioral styles, when we embrace who we really are. And we really want people to have that gift of being exactly who they are, using that knowledge to reduce stress, also to increase cooperation, to improve relationships. And then there's that real bonus of resolving conflict. Like when we can be truly self-aware and be curious about the behaviors of other people and why they're behaving that way, we have a much greater opportunity to resolve conflict, mm-hmm. not to mention the talent that we might gain in learning to get along with our mother-in-law. <laughs> that's, a very, that's a very good point, especially when people maybe have the same style. Like, for example, I know my mother-in-law are similar people and at times we can butt heads because we both either want to have a little bit of control over a situation. And so when I'm able to sit back and kind of self-reflect and say, I know what she needs. I need to understand that I can allow her to have that and I can find my need met in another space. Isn't that a gift? It does make uh, holidays a little easier (laughs) and it makes birthday parties a little easier. And it's taken time for that to come about. My wife and I have been married eight years now. You know, through the teachings of our community lessons, it has made a difference in my life in that way. Uh, we, we love hearing that. that. That's just the greatest thing you can say to someone who's a facilitator of this <laughs> material, that it makes a difference. And we've seen that in so, so many ways. And we hear about it all the time. And that's really our ultimate goal, is we want people to have happier families, happier workplaces, to not only feel cared for, but to feel caring Mm -hmm. for other people. And and I, I just have seen so many times where when we can increase that understanding of why someone is behaving the way they do, how that translates into real caring Mm -hmm. in communities and individually. It's important. Absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit about the four styles? We can start right up front with D if you want to, or we can do them backwards, whatever order you want to go in. Yeah, let's go in order. So DISC, D-I-S-C, the individual letters relate to four behavioral styles. Now, keep in mind that this work has been going on for decades, and a lot of the research done 
by a lot of people has resulted in some general understandings about human behavior and that human behavior is pretty darn predictable. While we're all unique, mm-hmm. we're pretty predictably unique. So when we look at that very broadly, we come up with these four categories. The first one, that D stands for someone who is direct. Okay. Right? Someone who's very direct. D style can be very strong-willed, uh, strong-minded. They love challenge. They love taking action. D style is very goal and results oriented. D style will focus on the goal, really will drive results, and they, uh, they'll get the job done. Someone who has D behavioral tendencies can be very focused on task and sometimes forget relationships or people, right? So a a D style person is really going to drive those results that you want, but they may need to slow down a little bit and think more about people and less about task or action. If it helps to understand D style a little better, there's some celebrities you can think of or famous characters. So a D style might be Darth Vader. Yeah, very timely. Right, Right. Darth Vader. Uh, One of my favorite basketball players, Michael Jordan. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, both in uh, in real life and the character he plays in his TV series. So those are really typical D style people. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you think of someone like a Michael Jordan. I am a sports fan. You know, he was the kind of guy that. When I was growing up, you knew he was going to get the ball at the end of the game. In this sports setting, setting, it was very normal to see him take direct action. He was the one who was going to take care of the ball. Absolutely. It's number 23, right? That's right. Yeah. So, you know, again, focused on the goal, nothing short of championship level play. And he's translated that into his business world as well. You know, he's still focused on goals and results. That's something else I want to add as a little aside here, Adam, about DISC behavioral styles. They typically don't change over our lifetime. So we fall into these behavioral categories, uh, fall into, we grow into them, usually by the time we're an older adolescent, 16 to 18. And then those behavioral styles will stay pretty consistent, absent, you know, really life-changing events for the rest of our lives. That's interesting. And I want to come back to that after we get through the rest of uh, the I, the S, and the C, because I have a question about that and how it pertains to what I've noticed in my own kind of behavior in the last few years. So um, I'll let you continue, though. If there's anything else you want to add about D's, um, go for it. No, I just think, you know, D's are also the smallest percentage of the population. They are. And D style can get a really bad rap from people who aren't D style, who, you know, can think unfairly, well, they're just overbearing or they're difficult when actually that D style has, you know, a lot of talent and a, a lot of, I don't know, a, a lot of direction, right? Because they like to direct that can be offered to teams and families and communities in getting to the goal. Gotcha. So we want to embrace D. (laughs) All right. Let's move on to I. Right. So I stands for influence. I style folks are are typically pretty optimistic, um, can be really outgoing. They love people. I style is very (laughs) relational. 
Um, I style is the person who remembers everyone's birthday in the workplace and will make sure there's a cake or a card or something. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll organize around people and, and events like that. Eyes can be also very creative. They really enjoy sharing ideas, uh, can bring a lot of energy into the room, and can also be really good entertainers. Eye styles might be someone like the comics Jim Carrey and Robin Williams, when you think about them, right? You know, use a lot of hand expressions and facial expressions and bring a, just this exuberance mm -hmm. uh, into any space that they occupy. Eye style is going to focus on people first and foremost. That's what gets them out of bed in the morning. It's relationship. It's that connection to other people and knowing that they're relied upon by other people. Absolutely. Which, by the way, if you think about what I just said about D-style, it can be really annoying <laughs> if you're a D or a C-style, especially, and I'll talk more about C in a moment, but you can start to see how we might annoy other people that aren't hardwired like we are. And that's, again, reinforcing this idea of why we go for self-awareness with this particular assessment tool in our trainings. Interesting. And yes, like the celebrities you mentioned, they definitely are bombastic, you know, larger than life type personalities who, when they walk into a room or you see them on TV, you know, they are commanding an audience. They, they love getting that feedback and that connection. You can, you can tell. Absolutely. And since I started with a Star Wars theme, I want to oh, just yeah. uh, self-disclose that I'm a huge uh, sci-fi nerd. Okay. Um, so I style, keeping with the Darth Vader and Star Wars theme, I style would be Han Solo. Okay. You know, charming, you know, loves being people uh, and can take unnecessary risk. That <laughs> can also be a hallmark of an I style. How about we move on to S, steadiness? Right. So S is the steady eddy. S can also stand for service. S style has a real need to serve a higher purpose. And by that, I mean serving something that is outside of them. S's love to help people, help organizations. They're really good at working behind the scenes for no credit whatsoever. Like they're really content to keep a low profile where I style prefers to be the center of attention. S prefers to be standing behind the I or the D style. S is all about steadiness, harmony, tradition, peace, uh, can very naturally be really great listeners, mm -hmm. but S's don't like change much. So that's where that steadiness comes in, right? So when change comes yeah. in, that kind of rocks what is steady to them. Absolutely. Um, S-style is, you know, that person that you want on your team when you've got a really long project to do. S-style is the keeper in the family of the family traditions. Mm -hmm. We'll make sure that only certain dishes are used at certain times because that's what their grandmother did. Yep. Right. And that is of great value to an S. Uh, in the Star Wars world, an S style would be Luke Skywalker. When you were talking about, you know, doing things behind the scenes and not looking for credit, that is very much what I feel Luke is like in the movies. Someone who's going to do what needs to be done, but in the end, he doesn't need his name on it. 
Right. And he was not happy about the change that came to his life when he left his his home where he had been raised and got thrust into something else. You know, that sudden change was hard on Luke. Other S styles that you might think of in the public arena are the cartoon character, Charlie Brown, hmm. um, Mother Teresa, and my personal favorite, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. Yes. All examples of S style. Interesting connection to Mr. Rogers and hearing the word steadiness and the kind of work that he would do with children. And I think about, you know, how a lot of kids who struggle, struggle because they don't have something steady in their life. They don't, maybe it's parents, maybe it's environment, whatever it might be. It, there's some easy, some uneasiness. And it's interesting that, you know, Mr. Rogers falls into this study category and working with kids. Maybe it's not coincidental at all, I guess. I, I would think not. I think he was probably naturally drawn to that. He was also an ordained minister. Mm -hmm. So he is very clearly hardwired for service. Remember, we're talking here about hardwired behaviors. And the hallmark of S is service. Now, I don't want to discount in any way the other behavioral styles. It doesn't mean other people don't care about service. Mm -hmm. But for an S, service is like breathing. It's like air. They do not have to think about it. It just comes naturally. So let's move on to C. Sure. So C style. C stands for conscientiousness. I also like to think of it as someone who's always critically thinking. C is also needs to be correct. Um, C style really wants to be correct can be perfectionists, like to plan ahead, are really good with managing a lot of detail. Mm -hmm. um, C-style likes systematic approaches and will check and recheck for accuracy. C-style looks at a, uh, a large spreadsheet on Excel and thinks it's a thing of beauty. Right. It's all right? organized. They can... Very organized. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so C-style is really good at making sure, for example, in a work group, that things are done well and correctly and that the data is correct. The last thing a C wants to do is make the wrong choice. Hmm. So in that analytical world of C-style behaviors, a C-style will perhaps come up with six possible outcomes and we'll go through a thought process of pro and con for each, excuse me, for each possible outcome mm -hmm. to select just the right one. Now, inherent in that process, C-style can also fall into analysis paralysis. In wanting to be perfect, they have a hard time actually making a decision. I'm smiling because my wife is a high C and when we were just at the ice cream shop a few days ago, she was the last one to choose her ice cream because, and she tasted four different ice creams. Yeah. So she, it wasn't, um, it was a little bit of that of, you know, analyzing the situation and can't quite decide because she's a little afraid to choose the wrong one. Absolutely. And th that is a wonderful trait to have when you need accuracy. Yes. Right. And to like my husband has a lot of C style. I can absolutely rely on him to make really good decisions that are data driven. 
or really good decisions having analyzed the best choice for the family because I know he's put the time into it, right? And that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And when I think about that with my wife's profession as a special education teacher, she needs to have that data-driven information working on IEPs for each student and needs to be in that checklist mode. It works really well in that space. You know, pick an ice cream. It took a little while, but right. <laughs> in that space, it worked out well. And I'm, what, a, I'm, what a gift that is, Adam, for those children, that they have someone who's looking at them individually and making decisions based on the most data they can possibly get. Mm-hmm. in the best interest of that child. I mean, that's a great example of how C-Style shows up in the world in the best possible way. Now, you may, you may remember a moment ago, I talked about I-Style being very relational mm-hmm. and D-Style being very task-oriented. Well, S-Style is also very relational and C-Style is also like D, very task-oriented. So we tend to, in those four categories, have a subset of either task or action bias over relationship or people bias. Gotcha. So important to note that as well. I'd like to continue down your Star Wars theme. Yeah. Intrigued who your last Star Wars character is going to be for our C, conscientiousness. Right. So I'm going to ask you, Adam, thinking about what you know about Star Wars and DISC, who do you think the C style is in that pantheon of characters? A very analytical person in all of those and afraid to make decisions or afraid to move forward sometimes seems to be C-3PO. Right on. It's exactly (laughs) C-3PO. Yeah, you bet. Another um, person with probably with very high C style would be Bill Gates. Also an example of how you can be successful regardless of your behavioral style. I think a lot of times people have a tendency, just a general tendency to believe that if there's a CEO of a company or a leader of a group, that they see them in that D kind of style. And they assume that maybe they're a D personality. So I'm curious, is D the best style to be a leader? Or is there a style that is the best to make a leader? So we tend to think, all of us, that our our boss or our leaders or CEOs are D style. Mm -hmm. And many of them are. It's true. But the best leader is found in every style. Hmm. Absolutely all of them make great leaders. And we have lots of worldwide examples of great leaders from all four behavioral styles. One of the things we focus on in teaching around communication and leadership is learning to develop your own skills from your self-awareness of your clear natural strengths within the behavioral style. What I think is interesting about this leadership concept too is that someone might be a leader in a certain, let's say a certain field, because it matches up with their behavioral style. Would you agree with that? Yes, and we want to be careful about not making stereotypes or embracing stereotypes around that. So one of the things we hear sometimes is that um, most CPAs are C-style. Sure. Well, there are many who are, but not all of them are. I have a really good friend who's very high, over-the-top I-style, who's also a really great CPA. Gotcha. Yeah. So it doesn't mean you can't excel in something that 
doesn't necessarily stereotypically fit the disc profile style. No, you, you can make the most of what you've been given and how you're hardwired. Again, that's what we want you to do. Using the disc can really give people that opportunity to say, yes, that is my clear natural strength. I'm going to embrace it and run with it. I don't need to be that other person. Sometimes we'll fall into that trap when we see someone else that we admire who's very successful and we think, I need to be more like them to be successful. Mm -hmm. There may be some truth in that, but we'd encourage you to think really hard and long about that before you attempt to make those changes. And instead, think about your clear natural strengths and how to further develop them. How can an assessment determine what is natural for an individual? So you may recall I spoke earlier about how humans are predictably unique. Mm -hmm. And with all the research that has gone into developing disc science as we know it today, we have learned very clearly what behaviors within cultures constitute behavioral styles or how you fit into those behavioral styles. So this particular assessment, the extended disc, takes about, oh, 15 minutes at the outset to complete. It's a series of questions, and you're asked to choose word pairings. Doesn't make a lot of sense, can be very difficult to puzzle through if you spend a lot of time on it. But how this assessment works, and by asking you to select those word pairings, is supercomputing and algorithms have changed this world tremendously. Your answers then go into analysis using these algorithms by computer mm -hmm. to fit into those predictably unique behaviors for humans. So it's, it's this amazing process that Extended Disc has developed. Um, they've been doing this in earnest since 1994. Um, they're based in Helsinki. And they're one of the few companies that does really extensive validation every year. So they are constantly checking their data. And by the way, they validate and make adjustments by language. Oh, wow. So for example, the extended disc assessment you might take in the United States as someone who's born here mm -hmm. would be different than the assessment you would be given in the United Kingdom. So even though they're both in English, the assessment itself is changed and adjusted based on the culture in your country. So it's this amazing supercomputing yeah. that helps determine what is natural for that individual. And then the real genius in this, the natural styles are what you don't pick. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? It seems so counterintuitive. Right. How that works, Adam, is if you consciously make a choice, Mm -hmm. right? You have to think about it. It's something that you're making a choice about. Yep. The other answers are the ones that are actually evaluated or analyzed for unconscious behavior. That just blew my mind when I first was trying to learn this. And as I was going through training to become a certified trainer, Yeah. because we can choose our behavior, right? Sure. I get up in the morning, I choose my behavior. Yep. 
we talk a lot about choice, you know, and, I, and I'm a firm believer in the power of choice. That's, we choose behavior. Mm-hmm. But the unconscious behavior is how other people see us. Mm. It's who we are when we are most ourselves. The way I behave when I'm not choosing a behavior is very different than the behavior I exhibit when I'm under pressure. So an example might be first date behavior. Mm. No one ever in the history of dating showed up on a first date as their true self. Right? Yes. And I, and I, uh, it's been a long time since the first date, but I do know <laughs> what you're talking about. And absolutely. You're, you're really trying to polish everything to make your, you know, to make yourself seem as uh, entertaining or enjoyable, as pleasant to be around as possible. Same is true for job interviews. Yes. Meeting the in-laws. Anytime we're under pressure, we will select behaviors that make us look best. Mm -hmm. Now, some of those behaviors might be our natural self. I don't want to gloss over that too much. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, they're not. So this particular assessment, the extended disc, really gets at the behaviors we demonstrate, we choose most of the time, which leads to creating a picture of how other people see us. I had mentioned this earlier in the podcast when we were first on the letter D. I had taken the DISC assessment a few, well, now it would be almost five years ago. And what I remember most specifically is that I did not have any letter D in my DISC assessment. And it made sense at the time. I mean, there were, you know, parts of me that thought, well, I am kind of direct and I, but in the end, I do prefer to kind of take a back seat and or be uh someone who likes to fulfill for the D, you know, someone who likes to uh, take action underneath direction. Right. And, and that still holds true. But what has changed in my life in the last few years since my DISC assessment first, and one of the biggest is fatherhood. So having to, you know, kind of be in charge of little ones and make sure they're safe and make decisions as, you know, do we need to take them to the doctor? Do we need to do such and such? You know, all the little things that you're in charge of as a parent. And also in the last few years, I've been trying to grow my own personal um, side business. So I am my own boss and I've been having to, you know, make decisions, um, push myself forward to, you know, find clients and kind of get out there and be in front of people more often. So I haven't taken the DISC assessment recently, but is it possible to take that now and potentially get different results? And even though we're talking about it being innate built behavior set even before I turned 20? So the answer to that question is yes, you could take it again and you might get different results, but probably not as long as it's the, the same assessment with the same vendor, in this case, extended disc. Gotcha. Something to note, too, is that one of the cool things about S-Style, remember that S-Style wants to serve a higher purpose, something outside of them. It might be a new career. It might be a charitable co- cause. It might be our families. Whatever that higher purpose is, S-Style can show up like a D. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Uh, S, S, and, S and I were my two 
I was kind of split between S, C, and I, but S was the highest of the three. So that's interesting that you say that. Yeah, it can, I mean, S's can be extremely results and goal oriented. Shirley, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today about the extended disc assessment and everything it um, encompasses. Can you give our audience two key takeaways from our podcast? You bet. The first one I would say is the golden rule only works for people just like you, right? So if we treat people the way we want to be treated, that's going to be great for someone just like me. But it's really going to annoy someone who is my opposite. So that's where DIS can be super important, is extending that golden rule to a place of treating people the way they need to be treated, the way they want to be treated. And that's my second takeaway, that utilizing the concepts of DISC, embracing them, practicing them, can be one of the greatest gifts that you can give to the people in your life. By being curious about who they are and why they're behaving the way they are, especially when you don't understand it. So by embracing DISC, it can open up a whole new world of friendships, potential, opportunities for success, resolving conflict. My two takeaways. Shirley, thank you so much for those two takeaways and the inspirational words. Uh, It's much appreciated. Thank you for your time. It's my pleasure and a deep honor. Thank you for doing this for our community listens. If you have any suggestions about subjects for our podcast, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page. And if you're interested in taking a class, visit ourcommunitylistens.org. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. And don't forget, each word, each action, each silent moment of listening sends a message. Therefore, you are the message.